All right, everybody, welcome back to uh, another YouTube live stream here. And today we're going to be talking about injuries. So injuries are something that none of us really want to talk about because we'd rather not have to deal with them, but they are a fact of life for us as mountain bikers. Like I've said before, there's two kinds of riders. There's those that have crashed and those that are waiting to crash, right? And also if you ride long enough and train long enough, something's going to start bothering you, right? So the so what do we do when we get an injury? And there's a lot of value to learning to train around an injury or train with an injury. Okay. So if you do that, your injury can heal faster and it'll also minimize the loss of strength in the injured area. So you definitely don't want to just go, oh, something's hurt. That's, you know, a reason for me to take uh, time off and just sit on the couch and, and do nothing because that's, you know, the worst thing that you can do, right? So when we're talking about how do we deal with injuries, it's important that we distinguish between what kind of an injury are we talking about? So there's two basic types of injuries. There's the acute injury where something happens that immediately injures an area, right? So if you crash and you uh, bust up your shoulder, right? Like that's an acute injury. Like I've popped both AC joints on uh, or yeah, AC joints on both my shoulders here. So those are acute injuries. I hit the ground, my AC joint pops out of place. I got to deal with that. That's an acute injury. An overuse injury is where something adds up over time and creates an injury. So the usual scenario is something just, you know, starts feeling a little tight and then it, you know, bothers you from time to time. And then it hurts a little bit and a little bit more. And eventually it grows into this thing that turns into an injury. It forces you to have to take time off. And so a lot of times these are the infamous itis uh, things that we get in our, our joints, right? Like tendonitis or bursitis, uh, plantar fasciitis, right? Like if it ends in an itis, uh, what it usually means is that the medical profession doesn't really know what's going on, right? They don't have a direct cause. Like this is what's causing this uh, problem, right? You have tendonitis. So we need to shoot you with uh, cortisone or, or, or cortisol, whatever, right? So it's, uh, or, or give you a painkiller or surgery or, right? So that's where these things usually lead are these overuse injuries. And so with the overuse injuries, we should be able to avoid or at least minimize overuse injuries with good training habits. So remember, if you're fit or if you're hurt, it doesn't matter how fit you are. This is really important when you're thinking about your riding and your training, because if you're if you're you know riding too much, uh, again, riding is the best thing that you can do, but riding can create overuse injuries. And so if your volume is too high with riding, and especially if you're not doing other things to help mitigate that, or you're using like bad uh, you know form in the gym, you just have like movement dysfunctions on a daily basis. A lot of people don't use their hip hinge real well, so they're just every day using their low back uh, in a dysfunctional way. All these things will add up over time to create an injury. But again, if we have good movement and training habits, especially if we listen to our body, because remember the, the scenario that I outlined that leads to these overuse injuries, something usually starts out feeling tight and then painful and it gets worse, right? And so there was a lot of just band-aids slapped on top of that thing before it finally got to be a full-blown uh, injury. Right. And so if you listen to your body and you go, hey, you know that my shoulder's starting to feel a little tight and hurt me every once in a while. What's going on there? Let's see if I can figure out what's going on and some strategies that I can take to fix that now 
rather than waiting for it to, to get, you know, into a full blown injury. Right. And so as part of this, um, you know, uh, painkillers like Tylenol and ibuprofen, these should not be part of your training strategy. If you are, are joke around about you, you know, uh, ibuprofen or Tylenol being like a vitamin for you that you take on a regular basis. If you got to keep these things in your, you know, around on and you're taking them on a regular basis or you're like, man, I got to go ride. So I'm going to pop a painkiller, you know, Tylenol, ibuprofen. Like these are, you know, we think painkillers like oxys or whatever. And then they, those are right. But that's what aspirin, Tylenol, ibuprofen, these are all painkillers. They're meant to mask the, the, the pain right? And so they stifle the pain signal to your brain so that you can just continue to do whatever it was that was causing the pain in the first place. And you just end up making the situation worse. So uh, definitely you should not be, you know, use them on occasion, right? If you need them, but they should not be a regular part of your training strategy. And that's usually what leads to these overuse injuries. People just start popping Tylenol and ibuprofen to ignore these problems. And eventually these problems just blow up and get so painful that the Tylenol and ibuprofen aren't working anymore. And so now they got to get something stronger and now they got to get surgery. And so it can really turn into a mess that you can avoid early on. Right. So that's really, I guess, you know, strategy number one is avoid as many injuries as you can, especially overuse injuries through uh, good training habits. Now, acute injuries, they're part of the game, right? They're going to happen and they're going to pop up from time to time. If you're riding mountain bikes, you're going to crash. And if you're hitting the ground, there's always the odds that something is going to uh, you know, not pop up back quite the same way. You know, you're not going to get off the ground in the same condition as you uh, hit it in. And so uh, these acute injuries are going to pop up. You're going to have to deal with them. So no matter what type of injury you have, I do want to say that you need to be following your caregiver's advice, right? Like you, if you have a, a doctor, a physical therapist, you know, some sort of medical professional who's overseeing this, uh, this process, then you need to find out what do they recommend and follow that advice. Uh, you know, don't think that you know better. Don't find some trainer that tells you like, oh, you know, I took this weekend certification and I, I know how to use these exercises to fix this. Like, don't, don't, you know, go that route. Like, just do what you need to do to get released to start training and and find out, you know, or you know, what, how can I train around this, right? And so this may be uh, a time for you to evaluate what type of medical professionals you have around you because. You do have a choice who you deal with. And if you are dealing with a, a physical therapist or a doctor who's not athletic and their priority is not keeping you active, right, then they they're, they may not be the best fit for you. They may be telling you, hey, you need to just sit and not do anything. And whereas you could find another medical professional who is a little more active or, or deals with athletes on a regular basis. And so they're going to be much more likely to give you advice that's going to be uh, you know, it, it good for keeping you headed in the right direction rather than just telling you, hey, you know, take this painkiller and just sit on the couch and wait for it to heal. Right. So. Uh, so anyways, but wh whoever you do choose as your medical professional, make sure you're following their advice. But um, in general, when you are dealing with an injury, you want to avoid pain. Like pain is your body's feedback, letting you know that something's wrong. So, again, this is why like taking painkillers is a problem because they will mask that pain. So you're able to just keep pushing through whatever was causing the pain in the first place. So you want to minimize the use of those with your training because you want that pain there as a feedback loop, right? So if you've got, you know, a tight injured shoulder, 
don't pop a Tylenol before you train so that you can just go in there and like pound on that shoulder. Like don't take the Tylenol, go in there and work out. And if it starts hurting, like, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. This is a problem for me. So, you know, use pain as a feedback loop to let you know, this is something I should not be doing. So both pain in the moment and after the activity. So if you uh, do something and it doesn't hurt in the moment, but after you're done, you know, it starts to uh, um, give you more of a problem. I guess my light just went out. I forgot to charge it. So, oh, there we go. We'll see if it pops off again. But anyways, the um, my point is, is that your, uh, yep, light's done. So anyways, that's technology and, and going live. We'll, uh, we'll deal with that. I'll charge it up next time. So um, like I was saying, with the, uh, with the injuries there, kind of lost my train of thought. But you're, you want to use that pain as that feedback loop, right? Like don't avoid um, that, that feedback loop and listen to it. And so uh, both in the moment and after an activity, right? So if you do something and it's not hurting in the moment, but after you're done with it, it uh, you feel that the injured area hurting, then that's also a sign that like, man, what I did earlier, I probably should avoid. Even though it didn't hurt in the moment, it's hurting me now. And so that's not a good uh, you know, thing for me to do to, for, for me to get this injury to get better. <clears throat> Excuse me. So one of the, uh, the things with, if you have an overuse injury, you want to figure out what is the problem that is causing it and fix it. Right. And so with this, it's usually a non-painful dysfunctional joint that is immediately above or below the painful area. Now, what this means is like, say you have a uh, you know, a, a, a low back, right? So your, your low back is hurting. And so your low back is probably not the problem. It's part of the problem, but it's not the problem. There's probably a joint, right? Like your hips are a good example. Most people don't move well with their hips. The hips are the joint directly below the lower back. If you don't move well with your hips, then you're going to use the low back in a dysfunctional way. <clears throat> Excuse me now. So what's the problem? Is it the painful lower back or is it this, the dysfunctional hips? The hips may not hurt, right? But they don't move properly. But that's the that's where the problem is. And so if with these overuse injuries, you're only looking at where the pain is, then you're going to miss what the actual problem is. <clears throat> so having a, a strategy to figure out like, all right, what which joint is causing this pain? And I need to address that. And at, uh, as part of this, there's this old model of thinking about how joints in the body should stack on top of each other that's really useful to keep in mind, which is that the, there's an alternate, alternating layering of mobile and stable and mobile joints, right? So you have stable joints on top of mobile joints on top of stable joints on top of mobile joints. So for example, you want your ankles to be mobile. That should be a mobile joint. Your knees, the joint directly above the ankles, you want those to be stable, right? The hips directly above the knees. You want them to be mobile. The low back directly above the hips. You want that to be stable. Your thoracic spine, which is above the lower back, you want that to be mobile, right? You want your, your cervical spine, your neck to be stable, right? And so if you have a problem, if you are stiff in your hips, then you're going to create more mobility out of your lower back than you need because you're, you're having to use a joint that should be stable and, and inject mobility into it to make up for a lack of mobility in another joint. And so this is what oftentimes leads to these, uh, these overuse injuries. Again, the lower back is a great example of this of, as, as to how a tight thoracic spine 
and a tight and your tight hips are creating a problem that's manifesting itself as pain in the lower back. And so, uh, but you need to address the actual problem. Now, as you do this, you may need to cut back on your weight and volume to affect the type of change you need to improve your movement patterns. And so this can definitely be a problem for people who've lifted for a while. You know, they've gotten decent strength numbers. They have this idea of like, this is how strong I am. And these are the kind of workouts that I do. And, and cutting back and taking a step back to try to fix movement is uh, can be tough for them mentally, right? Like I, I deal with this a lot with people who get my ultimate MTB workout program because a good workout program early in the off season should be addressing this stuff, right? Like you should be addressing your, your movement quality early on in your off season because what this is going to do is going to fix problems that you have right? Every sport has particular overuse of certain movements and underuse of other ones. And this creates, you know, tightness and instabilities and, and things that need to be fixed, right? And so these should be being addressed early in your off season. And then this is also going to optimize your future training. The better that you move, the more you're going to get out of your higher level strength and power training. And so taking that step back and doing some more, you know, I guess, quote unquote, remedial type work to correct your movements will actually set you up for better gains both later in that training program and long term over your riding career. But again, I, I, I you know, I, <laughs> I had somebody return the ultimate MTB workout program the other day because they just could not wrap their mind around the first couple phases of the program and they couldn't understand how I'm not doing heavy squats and deadlifts. How am I going to get stronger? And I'm like, dude, like you're, you know, these movements and the way this is, is set up, like it's going to improve how you move. So when you get to the squats and the deadlifts later on, you're actually going to be stronger than you were. Like that's a lot of feedback I get from people who actually go through the program is that they, they, they take the, the leap of faith. They start out with the first couple phases, which cuts things back. And when they get back to those big lifts, they're actually stronger than they were because they're moving better and more efficiently. So um, make sure that you're addressing the actual problem if you have an overuse injury. So while the injury is healing, right? Like if your lower back is hurting, then making sure you're not doing things that irritate it, uh, you know, uh, strategies to help stretch that out and get it feeling better. But you also need to be addressing the problem and figuring out what that problem is. So if you have an acute injury, then you need to just work around it, right? Like if you've, you know, busted your knee or broken a bone or, or popped your shoulder or whatever that is, then it, it's just a matter of like, hey, man, you just need to let that heal, right? There's not something else that caused that. You don't need to go looking for some secret cause of that problem. You know what that problem was. It was crashing, right? You may need to fix what happened, right? Like some bad riding strategy or, or bad technique that you need to think about and fix. But with your training program, you're going to uh, just avoid things that cause pain. Now, the mistake that people make, and they do this with the overuse injuries as well, um, but in general with injuries, the mistake that they'll make is they try and see how much can I do without causing a problem, right? Like there's a line that, you know, doing nothing, right? And then doing more, but eventually you cross this line where you actually start creating problems and you're actually setting your recovery time back by, by training that hard and doing that much stuff. Now, like I said, the mistake people make is they try to figure out where's that line, right? And I want to get up as close as I can to that line without going over it. Man, I am telling you, I've worked with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people and, and a lot of people with injury situations. And most of the time you end up going over that line. 
like I'd say nine times out of 10, you're going to end up going over that line on some level. If you're trying to walk that line as fine as you can, do as much as you can without causing a problem, boom, you're going to go over that line. You're going to set your own recovery back, right? So what I suggest is that you just focus on recovery, right? Don't worry about training as hard as you can. Worry about getting the injury to recover as quickly as you can. Do what you can around it, right? But your main priority is to heal as fast as possible. Don't do anything that's going to set your healing process back because what you want to do is get back to normal training as fast as possible. Don't do half-assed training, you know, like, like you may train a little harder, but it sets it, it, it if with if you're trying to figure out where that line is and how much can I do, but the you're probably going to end up taking longer to heal, right? So you got like this half-assed workaround training for longer versus like a shorter healing time. You just compress it, just okay. I'm just gonna you know, I'm doing some work, but my main priority is, is healing this injury. And then once my injury is healed and I can get back to normal training, then I start, you know, getting back after it, uh, you know, full speed. And so again, you're still working around it, but it's just, it's a mentality. Am I trying to figure out how much I can do, or am I doing enough to keep myself moving in the right direction while my injury heals? Cause remember too, your body has only so many resources to commit to uh to recovery from an injury or from workouts and so if you're killing yourself with workouts and you're injured you're taking away resources that your body would you know could be putting towards recovering from that injury to try and recover from the training right so again there's a fine line there's a balance right like i said earlier there's definitely value to training with an injury this is why you don't want to just sit on a couch and do nothing but you can easily 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 push it too far and set your own recovery back if you, uh, you know, if you don't approach it the right way. And so, you know, in general, you want to avoid pain and just, uh, you know, let yourself uh, heal. And so um, one of the other things to, to keep in mind is the use of isometrics with your, you know, training program in general, but especially if you're coming back from an injury right now, I know I sound like an, a broken record with isometrics. I like they are, you know, such a great training tool that, that we don't, take advantage of. And this is one of the big areas that they really do not get used well enough. I, I got a buddy that uh, has, has come, has had two ACL surgeries, right? And his first one, um, he did not use isometrics. It wasn't something that, that, you know, I was aware of. He's, you know, he's a training buddy of mine. He actually went to me with the seminar where I, I really got introduced to ramping isometrics that started me down this journey. And so he started using them after we went there, which was post um, his, uh, you know, at, towards his second knee surgery, right? So basically his first knee surgery didn't quite take and, and he had to go in and have it surgically repaired again. And this time he ended up using isometrics, you know, I'll outline some stuff here in a second on how to use that, but his injury, his, his healing rate was way faster and his knee is way better. Like there's not the threat of him needing to have another knee surgery. And in his own words, he's like, man, this was a game changer, right? He, he's rehabbed from two ACL surgeries in a, a relatively short period of time, just a few years, right? So we're not talking like 15 years where the technology has changed so greatly that it's like, oh yeah, that, that you know, that's probably more why you're, you're experiencing this better healing process. You know, it was a very similar procedure and he, you know, he remarked on how much faster he was able to recover uh, from the injury. And when he was able to come back, how much further ahead he was because of using isometrics. He's like, man, I don't understand why they don't use these in, in more rehab settings. Why, why isometrics are not emphasized more because they're perfect for this 
application, right? So if you think about it, you're going to be able to do isometrics before safely do isometrics before you can safely do loaded movement, right? If you've got an injured shoulder, knee, low back, right? Some joints hurt. If you're trying to create loaded movement around it, that's one of the most dangerous things you can do. That's one of the last things that you're going to be able to safely do in that injury uh, rehab process. But there's a point in that process before you get to there where you can start safely doing isometric contractions with those muscles. And it's, you know, pretty early on in the recovery process that you can start employing uh, isometrics. And so, uh, like I said, you're going to be able to do them and create high levels of tension in those muscles uh, of the injured joint earlier than you can safely use loaded movement. So you can start getting some some strength and, and a stimulus back into that area. And this is really going to help minimize the strength loss that you're going to experience. Like you're going to experience some strength loss in an injured area. But you don't want it to be so massive that once you're healed, that you're just like way set way back. And, it's, you know, you're actually setting yourself up. A lot of times people come back from an injury and their non-injured side ends up getting hurt because that non-injured side ends up taking up over so much of the work because there's such a strength and fitness loss on the injured side that it ends up creating an injury situation on that side. And so you want to with using isometrics. You can minimize greatly, greatly. I mean, strength training in general, right? There's some carryover effect. It seems like, you know, if I've got my, my left arm's injured and I train my right arm, there's some sort of carryover to that left arm neurologically as well, right? So regular strength training will have this carryover effect, but isometrics um, are even better for it because you're actually able to, besides this carryover effect, you're able to actually get some tension in those muscles and in that area itself and do it in a very safe uh, way and isometric strength is stability. The more isometric strength you have, the more stability that you have. And stability is what's often lacking for people when they first come back from an injury, right? They come back and the joint may be signed off as like, oh yeah, you're safe, but it doesn't feel stable. It doesn't feel the same. And so people don't trust it. You know, it takes a while to get back to where they feel like that joint is is going to be there for them when they need it and that is a lack of stability your brain sensing a lack of stability in that joint and so isometrics are a great way to improve the that stability in the joint so uh, make sure that you're using isometrics as a part of your strategy for this so knowing how to work on injuries it's just part of the process right like uh, you know if you especially if you want to do this for a lifetime and you want to be able to ride at a decent level uh you know later on into your your years right because if you're taking time off every time you get injured that one if you don't have good strategies to help you avoid injuries and you're getting injured often that's no good and two when you are getting injured if you're you don't have good strategies to maintain as much fitness and get yourself back on the bike as quickly as possible that's going to add up right that time off is going to add up and it's going to affect your long-term fitness and and uh skills and, and performance and so especially as we get older you know, they just, you know, six months off the bike when you're in your 20s is, you know, it sucks, but it's not that big of a deal. Six months off your bike in your 40s, 50s, 60s, man, that can, you may not ever come back and be the same, right? And so you want to try to avoid those scenarios as much as you can. So um, something that can help, right? Just a shameless plug here at the end, uh, because I do uh, create strength and mobility programs for mountain bikers to help them avoid situations like this. So whether you're using one of my programs or you're using another program, 
you should have a good strength and mobility program as part of your overall strategy. It is a way to, you know, injury proof yourself. A good training program will will help injury proof you uh, from, you know, both acute injuries, right? So if you've got more muscle and strength, you're going to be able to take a harder impact before something breaks and gives. The more mobility you have, right? You get ragdolled and you've got better mobility, the more stretch you're going to have in your joints before something gives. And again, a good strength and mobility program is going to be helping to reduce these chronic overuse injuries uh, as well. So if you're looking for a program, uh, a couple suggestions, the ultimate MTV workout program is my top tier program. It is the best program for the rider that's looking for everything. It covers, it's a full annual training program, covers, you know, training, cardio, skills, uh, touch on nutrition, mindset. I, I mean, there's just nothing that goes into being a better, better rider is untouched uh, with this training program. It truly is the ultimate MTV workout program. And if you want a minimalist program, something on the other extreme, you want something that's very simple and very minimalist, but still delivers good results. I got the atomic strength training program, which is my isometric specific training program, which also has mobility as well. So it covers that aspect. But um, so again, I've got some different training uh, options. You can check them out at bikejames.com. So anyways, hopefully you guys have gotten some good info from this giving you some uh, some things that you can use when the unfortunate time comes up that you do need to deal with an injury. And again, remember, I'm always here, James at bikejames.com. You got any questions about uh, what you heard here or, you know, you're dealing with an injury and you got some questions, let me know. I'm always happy to help. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and sign off and I will talk to everybody next time.